Pushkin. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member, FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Smart journalism, fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Last year, the Army missed its recruitment goal. It had 65,000 spots to fill and came up 10,000 short of that target. Why is it so hard to recruit? How's the Pentagon responding? And how are the voices of service members on social media shifting the balance? Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Talk Easy, a weekly podcast around conversations with the people shaping our culture today. I'm Sam Fragoso, and thank you for being here. For episode 28 of the show, we have indie filmmaking giant Kelly Reichardt. Born and raised in Miami-Dade County, Florida, Kelly comes from a family of police officers. Both her mother and father worked for the force. It's an important biographical detail in looking at Kelly's body of work which is traditionally driven by blue-collar men and women in rural parts of the U.S. This started in 1994 with River of Grass, arguably one of the best directorial debuts of the 20th century, which also received a theatrical re-release earlier this year. That film, which was shot on 16mm to the tune of Blue Note Jazz Records, revolves around two aspiring criminal nomads, who flee Florida after ostensibly committing a crime. If you ever mistakenly got on the Palmetto Expressway and headed west, you'd run right into the Florida Everglades, an area that Indians like to call the River of Grass. Someday, I wonder if there was any other person on this planet as lonely as me. As it turned out, there was, and he was living just a county away. Man, I just shoot my way right out of here. You're not from around here, are you? The potent imagery of youthful disillusionment mixed with inescapable ennui cast a spell on anyone watching. And that same spell, created by Reichardt in the early 90s, has yet to wear off in 2016. Since then, she's made about a half dozen movies, including Old Joy, 
Wendy and Lucy, and Night Moves. Her latest film is called Certain Women, a triptych about three various women played by Laura Dern, Michelle Williams, and Kristen Stewart, all in transit. And I got a real job. And they're letting me do this because they think it's funny. The pass is icy. It takes me four hours to get here. It's going to take me four hours to get back. I have to work in the morning. Did you tell me how you ended up in this class? I just saw people going in. Reichardt's movies are marked by their minimalism their ability to express so much by saying so little, which coincidentally is kind of how Kelly likes to speak in real life. I interviewed her back at Sundance in January, and um, it was the same here when we spoke for an hour. She started off by saying that she doesn't really want to talk about the election, her films, or herself. We both laughed at that, um, and I and I said, well, okay, that, that doesn't really leave us with a whole bunch to get into. And yet, to no surprise, we kind of hit on all those topics in one way or another. We also discuss the demanding nature of her sets, being a professor at Bard College, and aging, the beauty of getting older, wiser, and calming down. But first, we start with driving in a car, the space between where you are and where you're going. So, finally, here is Kelly Reichert. Um, I drove here this morning. I was visiting family in Fresno, so I drove here. It was a four-hour drive. Um, not dissimilar to the drive that Kristen Stewart's character makes. And um, I was thinking about the act of driving and going a long distance in relation to your movies because there's a really great piece. I don't know if you read. Do you read reviews? This your stuff? Um, I don't read too many reviews anymore, but... Someone wrote a really beautiful piece about certain women, but also your sort of body of work. And they wrote, the characters, you often have characters in cars piloted by lost souls without a map. I was thinking, do you think that's a fair, is that a fair characterization of the people in your movies? Who wrote that? <laughs> Adam Naiman in Reverse oh. Shot. It's a really beautiful uh-huh. piece. Okay. Um, I remember Adam. Um, uh, there is a lot of... Uh, getting from here to there <laughs> in the films uh, and uh, I do you know I've like made enough stuff now where I look back and I say oh you know even the new piece I'm working on where I'm just like oh yeah now it's turning into this um, you know script about you know the person walking from the castle to the village or you know driving to work or whatever it is Um and so, and then I guess in the bigger sense, they all are sort of trying to move from a place of being stuck to being unstuck. Right. And, um, and so, I don't know, that's, it's a funny thing, like what your films reveal to you back after a while and you go, yeah. like, oh, I guess that's, uh, you know. Well, so, it's um, something you've been grappling yeah. with, it seems, mm-hmm. for like. 25 years. Well, I, yeah, I don't even know if grappling with it, just like what is, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm always grappling within myself of 
where should I be and where do I live and uh, all that stuff, like the sort of how to live kind of questions. But um, so uh, that was my favorite um, quote from the last time we talked. I was reading, I was rereading, you know, our, mm-hmm. our conversation. You know, you know I'm only, already repeating myself. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but it was only like an 18 minute. I looked at yeah, the audio, it was like 18 yeah, minutes. It was yeah, really short. Yeah. Um, but I was immediately struck by you. I don't know what mm-hmm. it was. And you said, uh, I'm still the person on my friend's couch, couch, and I'd like to own the couch. Is that still sure. you? I mean, not like in the last six months, but like, is that really you now? I don't know. Who wants to sum themselves up? Who, I don't know. Do you know who you, what, you know, um, being in transit? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know what there is to say about it. It's just, uh, you, have you always felt like you were in transit? Well, a little bit. Yeah. But I also, I do feel I'm in transit, but I also feel, um, really hunkered down into communities of friendship, uh, that, um, and so, you know, and some of those communities of friendship are on the West Coast and some are mm. in North Carolina and some are in Oregon. And, uh, but yeah, so, um, so, so would you say that you're especially drawn by people trying, trying to find their footing? Um, I do like, th- I am drawn to that. I mean, I'm drawn to, uh, yeah, people, I mean, everyone's trying to figure it out. I don't know anybody that. Like, how could you even make a story about someone that has it all figured out? And, um, you know, I should say that I'm all, everything I've done since River of Grass has come from some other source. It's not like these are, um, you know, I I worked with uh, Jonathan Raymond for four films, and then I worked from the story of Miley Malloy uh, for this last film, or the story, her stories. The short story collection. Yeah, and, um, and, uh, and I'm currently working, you know, with another writer, you know, from his book, and it's, so it's not like the, um, so it's like what you, you're drawn to, uh, and, um, and then, you know, it goes through your whatever it turns you know mm. it goes through uh pass you know becomes a script and it you know definitely elements of myself or my own point of view get worked into these uh into these scripts but uh it's both parties bringing stuff to the totally table. like yeah and 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 the um and the writers i mean when you find a good piece of writing to work from that has you know, complex characters in it, and 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 it, whether it's you know maybe in the writing it's more of a um, more inside someone's head. It might be, and you know whatever the task of the film is to sort of show that and kind of physicalize all that emotional stuff or um, intellectual ideas that people have. Or but when you find a good um, character that's well written and that is uh set in their place in the environment they're in has a real life then you're starting from a you know you have a good footing um it's uh it's not nothing to have a good piece of writing to Mm. start from um and so uh yeah so you kind of then you know so then the next step is to go live in a um in a 
different place than you've known before. And, you know, when I was young, I used to think, uh, and I think it was kind of the wave at the time, you know, like you've, you've got to tell your own story. You've got to. And, um, <laughs> people always I, say that. Yeah. I love Fran Leibowitz. Uh, I can't remember her exact quote about it, but she's just like, no, we don't need everybody's story. <laughs> like <laughs> you don't need to. And, um, it's, uh, so it's do, you not, true. do you not buy that? Like you no, write I what don't. you know type. Well, I mean, it becomes, you add what you know to it. But for me, um, what's, uh, you know, I loved uh, entering worlds I didn't know and then going to live somewhere I hadn't lived before and getting to know, you know, go live on this farm and learn what uh, these farmers are doing and how they're, um, and what's important to them and what the day-to-day routine is of that. And then, in this case, go to Montana and... um, ride around in a car that's too big and listen to country radio and like go home to a house with a automatic, uh, garage door opener and this <laughs> and go grocery shopping here and, um, and do your laundry at this place. And the, you know, just whatever it is, this is your FedEx guy and mm. just like get into the, uh, um, or, and, you know, spending time with the rancher of like, this is what it is to, get attached to 20 horses and um and this is the routine and uh this is just how cold it is and all, all those you know just to get really into the nitty-gritty of uh, a routine in a life that isn't your routine and uh isn't your life is super interesting and the most fun part of it and and so and then you know you bring your you know, we all carry our own thing into, you know, if you're making something, your way of understanding something, you're, you're, you bring yourself to it. But the idea that bringing <laughs> yourself to it is the most important thing, I, I don't know, I argue that. Um, um, you're talking, yeah. I think you're talking about it's education by way of completely immersing yourself in something that's foreign. Yeah, it's, well, it's, uh, yeah, it's like being on a little adventure and discovering a new uh um there's a period of time during uh you know research in uh, a lot of locations um scouting usually happens during the you know it really usually affects the scripts a good deal and um and so that sort of lived research uh is uh there's a point where that happens for a while before uh you your crew comes and you zip on your full head to toe stress uniform that happens during the course of production and um and so that before that happens when um even right up to even into the time when your crew is there and you're getting to work with your production designer and your scout and your costume designer and you're all sort of getting in it together and uh, working with Chris Blavelt and um, my assistant director for these last films, uh, Chris Carroll, and uh, I've the two producers who've made the last five films, uh, Neil Kopp and Anish Johnny. You know, getting in with uh, those people, there's still a point of time where it's uh, exciting and fun, and and where I always think like I'm just not going to get so stressed out this time and let it you know and then you know you always get stressed out oh totally yeah it's a really stressful making a movie um yeah but do you feel like you get less stressed out now no more 
I don't know. It's so well, stressful. Well, it's probably the production has gotten bigger, right? I mean, especially with the last bit. film. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still, you know, we're for the amount of money we have to, when you go, like if you were shooting in a city, you could pull it off. But when you go someplace where all the resources aren't there and it's hard to get people to where you are and <laughs> and you can't get your film processed there and all that kind of stuff, it really does, and everyone is living away from home, you stretch your, um, you stretch yourself to a point of uh, really feeling like, you know, much like the characters in the movie that you're, you know, if you fuck anything up or you screw anything up, you, you the whole thing can um, can fall apart. Like you just don't have a big safety net under you. Um, so that's, you know, the source of a lot of stress. And just uh, if you're shooting on film and you're not in, a, you know, in L.A., it takes a while to see what you're doing. Right. And, um and you and the, shot on 16. We shot on 16, on Super 16, yeah. And, uh, so the time I would get filmed back, the, that set of actors They're might gone. already be gone. Yeah. And it doesn't help that you're casting like Kristen Stewart and like people who are in high demand who are just like... All of them, yeah. Laura was, uh, you know, out with Wild at that time. And, oh, wow. uh, and Michelle was getting ready to go on to the Kenneth Lonigan film and Lily, you know, we, she lived in Missoula, thank God. And we kept sending her home and then calling her back and asking her to come back. And then she just finally sort of set up camp and didn't, you know, never believed us when we said we were done with her and just hung around. So, um, you know, fortunately she was, uh, you know, flexible. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's stressful because it's all, um, yeah, it just you, feels- still, you mentioned before um, despite like the amount of people working on the movie, you still feel filmmaking is a lonely experience that it's alienating. Yeah, I think uh, directing is a lonely experience. Uh, and um, in my head, see, I'm not a director, so yeah. this is my preconceived notion is like, no, but you're the person like steering the ships. So you're constantly around people, so. You are the person steering the ship, and you are constantly around people. Didn't you ever see uh, the Fassbender film uh, where he's uh, laying on? Uh, he's standing in the ship, the, and his uh, crew is all having an orgy at his feet. Um, you know, I think that's the loneliness of directing. Is that what's happening on a Kelly record? Well, I'm not. Yeah, I may, well, there's definitely a lot of partying going on that I'm not involved in. But they don't uh, no. invite you. No, I'm the person that gets dropped off. I have to work, you know, and uh-huh. be ready for the next day. No, I'm the person you want to boot out of the van so you can start enjoying yourself for a little while and not have uh, I, the person no, I don't around. buy that. I don't. I don't it's a hundred percent true, in, in and it's not nothing personal. It's just, uh, you know, Todd Haynes and I talk about this all the time. That just sort of, uh, um, you're listen. You're in a community of people that are working themselves to death to try to uh get you what you want and there's that's an incredibly fortunate thing and it's not lost on me like Mm. what the amount of cold and um hours and just heart really heart people uh on these films uh you know 
it would be so rare for us to have someone on our set that was in any way phoning it in. I mean, that is, it's almost unheard of. People like uh, really far, give as themselves. As far as I know, it's not happened. As far as I can see. Yeah. It's never happened. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. Occasionally you get one little squirrel that comes in and is. Who, who is that? Ah, we'll let that go. <laughs> but no one that has a major role. Um, but uh, it's. Um, They're burying your souls to you. They're all in. They're all in. Um, that's, and that's they, beautiful. It, it, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing and a really fortunate thing. I mean, really, I, to work with people that I have no idea. These people are insane. I don't know why they – but it's so much work, yeah, that, um, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, I'll just keep working and talking about the film forever. And at mm-hmm. the end of a – um, at the end of a 14-hour day, people would like to go have a drink and not uh, be for a minute. And so I have work to do. I can't go anyway, but, you know, I have this thing with, you know, I'll tell Neil Cop, you know, when he pulls up the van and he turns around and looks behind me and asks everyone else in the van where they want to go, that he could pretend like I'm, I can't go. I'm not going to go. So pretend that I'm invited. And, um... But uh, Kelly, just invite yeah. yourself. I don't want to go. I can't. I got to work. Is, they don't I, want me, can, and I want to be alone. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so you know, um, but but see, these but, are my friends. I love them. But it but seems they, mixed. It seems mixed. It's of course, a, it's mixed. Like you want to be alone. I want to be alone. But you also want to be part of the fold. Uh, it's just. It's not even about not being part of the fold. It's really that um, you have to be so much in your head. Uh, every waking hour and you're dreaming of the movie that there's something that uh, keep I used to work on crews and that and it can be really fun to work on crews and and um, uh, you know so you're you're you you just don't have access to even at a nice dinner you just don't have access to um, really enjoying everyone you're around fully because you are in the uh, I don't think um Gus has this problem. I don't think Gus Van Zandt has this problem. I could be wrong. Everyone, he seems to just totally be mellow on his, I don't know how he does that. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't know anyone else, though, that pulls it off. It's just what it is. And Gus it lasts, Van Zandt's the only I think he's mellow. the only person that's, like, on his set reading his newspaper in the morning, and from what I've heard, and able to, uh, he's perfected that. Maybe that's true. I don't know. But I think the amount of rigor you've kept, you're rigorous, and yeah. you're, and it's why your movies have only progressed, I think, in quality. And other directors, they fall off. They tell that you know we're talking about like everyone has that story they should tell. They tell a story, and then they seemingly run out of it. And you seem to be constantly curious. And looking for something new, and learn, and interested in learning something new. So it's too many generalizations about too many people. <laughs> I think I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. It, there's. I don't think anyone has an easy time making filmmaking. Films is hard. It's not like um, you can't say it's like going. There's. There's. But you're getting to make your film. Mm. You know. And so you're. You know. It's super. It's. You know. I'm not gonna. This is my favorite. This is what I enjoyed last time too. Is when yeah. you. Say, Sam, no, you just generalized something and you right. reduced it. Well, it's just, it's hard to, 
make a film and everyone has their way at it. And it's also, you know, it's a, whatever, it's a super privileged thing to get to make a film and to get to make a film with good people. So you can't, it's just that the hard of what's hard about it is very, very mixed into what's super beautiful about it and great about it. And so, um, uh, yeah. So what is it's your- challenging. It doesn't go on forever. Thank God. You know, the um, production part of it. That's just one. We always <laughs> talk about, you know, production is, a, is actually a small and what time happens after movie. You, a lot. Editing and sound mixing and color timing and all those things take a long time and are a long process and a calm process. And, um, and a lot of people, you know, it's like producing for producers. The work goes on for the work really never stops on a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even after you sell a movie, there's just constant work uh, that happens with a movie forever that producers do. When it's over, do you find time or space for you to decompress? Uh, or are you yes. always on? No, I just bit? had a. Um, I just took a summer off, which was really nice. It was mm-hmm. a lot of decompressing. It was what, nice. What does yeah. that mean? Do you go like swimming? Do you? Like- <laughs> I did not swim, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, just w- waking up without a plan is very nice, and uh, you know, like not setting coffee. an alarm in the morning. Just not just waking up and having your coffee and talking to the neighbor's cat and waiting for some bird to show up that comes around at a certain time of day and taking a walk and have some lunch with a friend. Just you know, life. Uh, Mow the lawn. You know that's I didn't not, really. I didn't really mow a lawn, yeah, but I, I you know, I watched my friend mow the lawn. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just took. Yeah, it was nice to take time off. But uh, you know, usually I'm. I, I teach a lot of the time. And you teach so, at Bard, right? Yeah. So mm. your student, uh, you had a student at Bard. That's a friend of mine, um, mm. Benjamin Dickinson. Oh yeah. And uh, I had texted him this morning, and I said. Um, talking to Kelly, what would you ask her if you could ask her something? And he did text back. Uh-uh, uh-huh. um, he has good things to say about you as, as, uh, as well, a... Well, this wasn't a very good teacher at that point. I ha- you got better. Yeah, I got better. Well, what were you like back then? I just wasn't... I was teaching at NYU, and I was a really bad fit for NYU. Uh, I don't think they really liked me, and I never felt very comfortable What? There. How did you not fit in? I don't know. It's just a different scene. Like, Bard's a better... Uh, tiny classes and um everyone you're working with is actually making films or uh writing and uh and is and um they like me more (laughs) um (laughs) and i like them i i'm I'm very uh my colleagues are um uh are people that are you know it's the, it's nice to show work to them and get feedback from them and there's people in their work I'm really interested in and I feel like it's challenging and um and uh and just really different approaches at filmmaking um and that's that actually I, what he was asking about was yeah. like what is the, not only what is the difference but like how's the balance between academia and then making films here like we're here now, like that. Like it's like different universes almost. Here, here being Los this, Angeles. Um, yeah, it's um, been just okay. like you know. Um, I thought you meant this room. Uh, uh, this exact room. Um, well, 
You know, I, we recently at Bard this summer, we lost our beloved, um, sort of the captain of our ship, uh, who's Peter Hutton, who's a really important uh, American filmmaker who um, filmed uh, landscapes and cityscapes and seascapes. And, um, and he had an amazing sense of time as a, as a per, just like the speed of him as a person and of his films. Um, anyway, it's a huge, huge loss. And uh, I hope people seek out his films and I hope his films get um, all the, I, people love his films. And so I just hope they're restored and um, get, uh, stay in the conversation. Um and so to have spent a decade uh, getting to work close by Peter Hutton, like I don't know where I would have gotten that anywhere else, like something that I value that much, no matter I, that's not to, you know, it's like one of the best things I'm going to have uh, in my life. And I, um, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. So I, that's a, and there are other people that I teach with. I just feel very, um, close to, and, um, Peggy Awish, who also teaches up there, uh, has a film named certain women. And I actually stole the title of this film, <laughs> uh, from Peggy and, uh, which was good because that was like putting myself in the role of like the Michelle Williams role in my movie where I got to uh, try to get something out of someone and make them give it to me um, and be happy that they're giving it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, it, uh, yeah, but, um, but. Uh, That's an interesting dynamic. Both in, it is in an what interesting you're dynamic. And in the film. Uh, yeah. Um, this, you see that. In, I mean, everyone has that in day to day life. Yeah. Of like desiring something from someone that. Yeah, it's really not giving them anything back, but you want it to. Uh, but, but you, you want. Could, we, you, we could you, offer you compensation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but a compensation that doesn't mean anything to you. Um, but anyway, Peggy's uh, really. Um, I think she too is a really important filmmaker. Um, and uh, so um, I'm. Uh, how it works for me because I, I, it's hard for me to talk about teaching in general because I've had really great teaching experiences where when teaching's good, it's a super high, you know, it's great when it, when you're connecting and when you, uh, leave a class and you felt like, um, you know, you've gotten something across and, or you've figured some, a new way to look at something through, uh, the eyes of someone holding a camera for the first time or, um, you know, when it, or, or just, you know, being in a community of, uh, like excited of friends. People. Yeah. It, it, that are challenging, um, and should, you know, still turn you on to stuff you wouldn't otherwise see and, uh, can look at a cut of your film and, um, give you a perspective. I don't know where else I'd find that perspective. So, um, it's a, uh, so that, works into my filmmaking is in a way that uh, it just keeps you in a conversation about film and I can design my classes around things I'm thinking about. And, uh, and then, and the school's been really generous with uh, letting me leave to, you know, they're supportive. They want people to be doing work. They want, they, and so teaching in a place where people are actually making things is, uh, or writing or whatever, they do is um, is a different environment than teaching with people that are just sort of 
in a world of academia all the time. Mm. Um, and so uh, it's given me, you know, it gives me a, you know, a, a sort of foundation that's steady. And, uh, and so it it's seems that seems been a to good be, place for me. Uh, I mean, there's just, you have to find the right mix. I've, I've, taught at places where I wasn't a good fit and then you find the place that where you're um, somehow your voice fits into the mix and it is a good fit and then you know when it doesn't work it's not fun and when it does work it's awesome it seems to be the one constant in your life like this oh one. no I got lots of constants you got other constants sure yeah what are they sure. constants? I got well, fr- friends I've had for forever. Well, I got sisters. I've got those are constants. I've been in New York for twenty six years. Uh, that's a constant. I mean, please, I I've got constants. <laughs> I'm not short on not short on constants. I know it would be romantic to say so, but it's not that exciting. No, I don't think it isn't. You don't strike me as a terribly romantic person or sentimental person. I'm very sentimental. Are you? Sure. Your films are not. Well, yeah. You don't think my, that film has any sentiment to it? It's got sentiment. It's got rigor, but it has there's rigor. sentiment. Not saying those it those John Raymond films, the Miley's stories. Those stories are have. Uh, they're I, not. Uh, they're not. Uh, I didn't say they didn't. I didn't say they don't have feeling. I'm saying they're not traditionally. Um, oh well, they're not like traditionally. Sentimental. No. But I think you keep. I think even now you keep things at an arm's distance. Nah. You don't think so? What in the films? Uh, I don't like to. Uh, uh, they don't. Um, I don't use score, and I don't um, use. Uh, close-ups in a way that uh, um, you know I don't like to hit a cue that's an emotional cue that's anticipated and expected Mm. it doesn't you know it doesn't engage anybody just at that point you're just sort of going for the ride though I can go to a movie and enjoy um, you know some people can work a sort of traditional formula in the greatest ways you know um without falling into cliche but um there um i yeah i think you just have to you know like in the in certain women i think it takes a while to get um uh maybe get an emotional payoff there's more of a building collective one as opposed to um you know I, I don't really know. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> that made that made, mostly made sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Would you say, uh, in talk, talking about your students, but also your work, we've talked before about anger or the lack of anger you find in younger people making movies. Yeah. Again, big generalization that you um, made, not me. That you I made, said, perhaps. <laughs> um, that could be true. <laughs> um, Why does this feel like the vice presidential debate right now? I, know. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's really hard to say. You know, I I deal with people in their early twenties uh, in a certain, you know, academic bubble. 
Um, and uh, and you don't really know what a lot of students have going on outside your class, you know. Uh, it's not... Um, Are you not but, the type of teacher to, like, have a very intimate relationship with their students? Uh, no, n- probably not. <laughs> <laughs> there's just, um, over the years, there's just too many of them. Um, I do, I, I, my, I try to, uh, be all in when I'm teaching, but, um, there's, I know for a fact, I'm not going to be able to keep up with everyone's request once I'm, once they're graduated because there's just too many of them and there's too many requests. So, um, you know, so that always seems like a letdown to people when they get out and I can't do everything everyone wants me to do. But, um, uh, but I try to be, uh, full on while, uh, uh, while they're there because, you know, that's like the commitment I made and cause you know, people are, you know, you, get sucked into people are interesting (laughs) and um and uh that's what you know there's no uh yeah um not that i haven't had my weeks where i've been distracted but uh you know it's not it's only fun if you're tuned in um so uh anyway but i i don't know that uh i i just think that probably there's a way of uh them looking at the world and dealing with the world that uh, is, um, well, first of all, you're not out in the working force yet. So there's a lot of things you haven't experienced yet that you're going to, that's going to come later. But um, you're talking about disappointment just, or just whatever comes from having a job or uh, not getting a job or uh, not getting paid as much as your job is someone else is getting paid mm-hmm. or um, how did you get through that? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I ask almost purely for selfish reasons because I How feel do you get like through it? how do you get through it? Yeah, you well, because take a lot of jobs. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, that's it's my approach mm-hmm. is like because I get turned down for stuff all the time, mm-hmm. and my approach is well, I'll just keep putting myself out there enough that eventually oh. enough will stick, I guess. Oh well, I wasn't putting myself out there. I don't know in that way. I just mean I don't know. I had just. I mean, I was working in a mail room, uh, you know, still after I made my first film and just, you know, you're just trying to figure out how to, I mean, New York City is a hard, an exp- a lot of cities are expensive now, but, uh, you know, you go to college and you end up cleaning houses and working in a mail room and though I have to say, I, I worked in a lot of, I worked in a couple different mail rooms. I really liked mail working in a um I worked in the WGBH mailroom when I was in college and I Why do you like it so from, much? Aside from um getting up early, that's not the good part of it. Oh, sorting mail is very satisfying and then you <laughs> bringing people. I mean, this is when people had cared about mail, like real mail, you know, mail you could touch. Yeah. Uh sorting mails, I I found it very satisfying and then you put it in your cart and then you take it across the road and you deliver it to everybody's cubicle and they're kind of happy to get their mail and you just have a little interaction with everyone. Well, it's like you have a and, very uh, clear purpose. Yeah, you can complete it at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, it's early hours, so that was not the greatest part of it, but it's a good... I always thought that I could be a good male woman if... Yeah, uh, that, that job does not really exist in the yeah, next like, 10 Yeah, that's not a years. great... 
Well, there's still they're, people they're, out delivering the mail. It's just not. There's going to be, there's gonna be drones. You, I'll tell you yeah, that. Nobody there's, wants what's in the. You rarely get a piece of mail you're excited about. Um, I mean, do you still like write? Have you tried writing letters? No, nah, I can't write. No. Nah. Well, my pension, my penmanship is terrible. Yeah. Like someone asked me to start. We wrote like a couple letters yeah. back. I was like, my God, my handwriting is terrible. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Let's just write an email. No one can write. Yeah. That's too bad. But it was nice while it lasted. You weren't even here when it was nice. How old are you? <laughs> we went over this last time, Kelly. Right. 22. 22. Okay. Yeah. You weren't here when mail was good. Look, I had good. I had pen pals in the fifth grade. Okay. You did? Yeah. All right. I did. Okay. <laughs> you didn't have email your whole life? No. Okay. No. All right. Does that like well, calm you? Or is no, that like... I, I forget how old ever. I, I just can't keep it straight. I how mean, old are you? you know, none of your business. <laughs> you asked you. me. It's, it's I your... didn't ask you. Did I just yeah, ask you? Yeah, oh, you well, you whatever. Me... Yeah, uh, you're young. Good for you. Oh, that's you know. <laughs> um, I was wondering if you were born in Miami Dade yeah. County, from a family of cops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. True. What did your mother do? She, uh, when she began, she was a, uh, oh, what do you call a dispatcher. Oh, okay. And then... Um, so your mom and dad were both officers. Yeah. She uh, was a dispatcher, and then she went through the academy, and she became a never, an undercover uh, agent for... Um, she was a narcotics agent. Really? And she... Uh, and then later... I forget, but she, uh, yeah, but anyway, that's what she was when I was growing up. And my dad was a crime scene detective in Miami. Um, was there an expectation that you would join no, the police force or no. like have a blue collar job? No, I'm, uh, I don't think, I don't know. Nobody was, uh, I don't know if anybody had any ex- great expectations. Um, <laughs> I was really into photography from a really young right. age and, um, and so, uh, yeah, I don't know what our, I don't think any, I don't think our parents expected that any of the kids were going to be cops. Did you, did you have like a conversation with them no. as a kid? It wasn't that kind of household. I, if it was, I don't remember that. Yeah. Hmm. No, it was, uh, everyone was do, very busy doing their thing and, uh, you know, uh, setting up new families and I don't know, you kind of had, you, we, uh, rolled with it, but, uh, but there was a lot of, um, uh, yeah. At the same time, they were open to whatever you wanted to do. Uh, uh, they were supportive. Yeah, sure. It was kind of every, uh, you know, it was very, I don't know. Times were, I don't know what, it sounds like you, uh, it was like every man good, I have a ter- I don't have a good memory. That's part of the problem. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I was, um, oh, gosh, I don't know. I Yeah, my dad gave me a camera. I took uh, photography lessons, and my mom took us on um, a lot of camping trips. Uh, you know, in the summers, we'd go from, like, Miami to Montana. And so... Uh, you know, there was a lot of places to photograph. And so, um, so yeah, I think they, 
Yeah, I think they uh, gave me a tool, which was a camera, and they gave me photo classes, which I wanted to take, and they uh, and we traveled around a lot, and so I saw things. So those are all um, those are all good supportive uh, things to get as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember um, a moment early on as a kid or a teenager where you felt like the photography or something with the video or something with images felt right to you? Like, felt like it was, Oh, I wanted to be a photographer. It, it, video wasn't really, you know, my aunt, growing up in Miami in the uh, late 70s, there wasn't, um, or in the 70s, I guess, there wasn't, I didn't really know about I don't know if video was uh, a thing yet, you know. Um, I, I We had a Super 8 camera on one vacation, and I remember thinking, like, that would be fun to... Uh, I remember trying to find that camera, and I did find that camera, and thinking, like, oh, this... You know, I, I could do something more than photography, but I didn't really know what to do yet. But, um, but... Yeah, I uh and I did like photographing Miami Beach quite a lot and um and I think even as a kid I knew that that scene wasn't going to last and um maybe just cuz people were old <laughs> but uh it all felt kind of everything in Miami felt sort of tentative like it wasn't uh and cuz it was always changing all the time um and so uh yeah there was uh but the schools I mean, I guess the, I went to a Miami-Dade Community College, and they had a dark room. And uh, uh, so, um, yeah, you could still, like, there wasn't any, I didn't have any exposure to good photography or art. <laughs> um, but there was, a, you know, you could take a photo class and a, in a, and learn the basics of processing and learn what an f-stop was and mm. that sort of thing and go out and take pictures and there were a lot to take pictures of but um there seems something kind of liberating about not having i was so that. starved for it yeah i really wanted to uh i i i don't know i don't know if it's li- it, it's nice to know what a frame is and uh i mean now looking back i mean i moved to uh Boston and I got had a decade of just absorbing film and uh, really studying film or more than a decade and um, and so then in the long run you know maybe it is nice to have a chunk of life when you aren't but I don't know I think art helps people and I think it's like kind of good for the brain but in those days you know you had to seek something out and there was something to that you had to like go and find something and and now that's exciting. I guess you the, have to, like the journey to go find completely. I think that now it's like it's a different kind of uh, seeking out. You have to. There's just so much out there. There's so much music. There's so much. It's um, it, you know that you're like digging through. Uh, you know, it's different than. Um, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's just a different thing but i did you know i did grow up surrounded by cops and i did have a feeling that things were going on in other places and i um did you know i was sort of hungry for uh i wish that i had 
contemporaries? Yeah, or, or yeah, or even there was just I wish I was more surrounded by people that were into what I was into. Yeah, and um, and I remember Christo came and wrapped the islands in Miami, and there was a friend Annika Anderson who moved to Miami, and she was a Swedish girl. And it was as she like plopped down from Mars. She was like this new age punky girl. And um, <laughs> uh, she, I knew she wouldn't stay in Miami long, and she didn't. She went to Parsons, and she was only there for a short time. But she turned me on to David Bowie, and she was sort of a breath of fresh air. And she worked with Christo on the – she was one of the volunteers on the island, working on the island. And, and – uh, during that time, you know, she took me to some parties and it was all like New Yorkers. And I was very like <laughs> excited to just sit on the couch and watch these New Yorkers. And, and I was like, yes, there are things going on somewhere else, you know, if you just get out of Florida. So anyway, you know, someone <laughs> will end up turning up in your life that's, uh, if you're looking. And then, uh, yeah. And then Annika went to, uh, um, you know, did go to Parsons and moved to New York and uh, seeing her do it made mm. it seem kind of possible. And so in your youth in New York, then at the moment, do you remember it feeling electric? Do you remember it feeling like I do you went think, you know how to, always I say went to, that, well, I went to Boston, you went first, to Boston first and then you yeah, moved to New York, which was a weird thing. But, uh, I went to Boston first because I had a way to get there and I had a, a girl that I worked in the clog shop with in Miami, she had, she was at BU and she had an empty, she was going to be out of her apartment for a week in Boston. So it was a place to land, to just begin. And I do remember that moment of, um, that, and I knew then that it was a sort of once in a lifetime kind of feeling of just like having left the place you grew up and everyone you knew and that you were going to start out this yeah. new life. And, uh, and I did have an idea that I was going to um, uh, somehow make films, but I didn't really have an idea. I don't know how. It must have been a zeitgeist of some sort because I felt so out of it in Miami. I don't know how I would have known to do that or want to do that because I don't think I had seen anything at what that point. Intuition. What about that? I know, but you got to be exposed to something or maybe it was just – I have no idea, but I had the idea that I was going to – you know, somehow uh, make films. But do you I, believe I in don't... any of that new age destiny <laughs> bullshit? Not really. Um, but I, I just don't know what, yeah, I don't know what would have, obviously there was a lot of people thinking the same thing because, mm -hmm. you know, when you get to New York, there was, you know, people were finding out ways to make films and that was happening all over the place. But I don't know how, that idea got down to Miami. <laughs> but anyway, um, but uh, yeah, then I met people that in Boston that were, uh, you know, more into what I wanted to do. So you mentioned that you don't know why people work on your film, like why people go. And oh, I go do know why. Yeah, I know. why. Oh, OK. Oh, yeah. Why is it? Uh, because. Uh, they want a, an adventure and they want to um, uh, go away and be with other people that they like and work on something that they're into. And, uh, and they know that they're going to, um, that their work's going to have an impact on the 
film and that they're going to be, you know, because it's such a small crew that they're, you know, that they have more of a, a hand in it and a voice in it. And that, uh, yeah, I think it's for, um, uh, a lot of the crew are very, that I've worked with in the past are very close to each other and they really want to, um, you know, especially when people are working in commercials, you know, often get a text from a crew, like, what's going on? What are you doing next? When are we going somewhere? You know, write a script for summertime. Let's go somewhere where it's warm. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, I, uh, I, I, you know, I know why people are into it. And uh, but it, it's still a fortunate thing, you know, because, uh, yeah, it's a it's a fortunate thing to have people like give their all to something that you uh, um, sort of set in motion. And well, what do you think it is do. about you that gravitates people to your work that makes that makes them want to go all in there's uh, a lot of people giving them scripts there's a lot of people presenting offers to yeah them. um i think they like the movies and i think they um i think also my the neil and anisha i've made these last five films with i think uh they're really good at setting a good uh world up for people um and uh and uh Chris Blavelt, the cinematographer, people, uh, Chris is a real motivator and, um, and so, and I, and I, yeah, I think they, they know it'll be hard and, uh, and so it's like going to, uh, you know, have that reward after going through something really hard Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, um, trying to uh make your resources stretch really far and uh and because they're in it they're part of it their footprint will be like all over the movie uh you know you've been putting yourself through the ringer doing this how many, how many is river grass came out in 94 yeah we made it in 93 but there was a big it's, downtime in there yeah <laughs> do you ever wonder if you've um why you continue onward? Uh, well, I like having a project. It really more has to do with the day-to-day. Of, I like waking up and having something to work on um, and to think about and to, uh, you know, the just figuring out how to do something and what it'll look like and working on a script, all that stuff. I just, I, um, I like having a project. Mm. I like having a project. So does that summer that you just had, like, did you get antsy at all? No, I was working on a script. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so when was the last time you took an honest-to-God like No, that was an honest-to-God. That was, like, the first real break in a decade. But it was, um, I like having I like having a project. A I, it was, I wasn't forced. And I'd been working yeah. on that script for a while, so it wasn't at the hard part of the script. It Is was it at the um, easier part of the script. Well, it was good in that, because I wasn't doing anything else, I really, it was fun. I kind of figured out the I sort of broke the visual code of it before I finished the script and that That's uh, exciting. it was and so it was really fun so I had a little cottage and I had lots of um, uh, uh, the uh, person whose book it is Patrick DeWitt he lives in Oregon and so I got to spend time with him and work on the script with him and work on it on it alone and uh, uh my painter friend, uh, Michael Brophy in Portland, who's a painter I love down there, and he um, usually does storyboard drawings for me, but we just more had a summer of um, of just, he's 
just can tell you the story of any painter you ever were curious about. <laughs> and so it was more just uh, sessions with him of going through books and hearing stories about uh, whatever, art history by Michael Brophy um, in his studio, which is really fun. So, yeah, it's enough... Uh, you know, it's enough of a project that it keeps your mind occupied and you have something to nibble away at during the day. But it wasn't like, uh, you know, it was only... It wasn't stressing you out. No, it was fulfilling and great. Mm-hmm. No, it was awesome. Do you feel sometimes that uh, everything else has taken a backseat to the work? No, I'm, I don't know. Everyone, you... Every it's it's hard to have, I don't know no no I mean I don't know if, figuring out how to live is like something everyone's doing all the time, mm. um, you know it's interesting working at a college because when people graduate they sometimes think they have to figure out their life for the next year and you hate to give them the good and bad news that you'd be figuring it out forever, and I like that it can still be made up, but um, uh, I think there's it, just a hope, at least at my mm-hmm. age right now like. I just hope it gets easier. You hope it gets it does get easier. Yeah. Yeah. But by the time it gets easier, um yeah, it gets easier. Uh it's true what they say that uh youth is wasted on the young. I mean, by the time it gets easier. I mean, <laughs> As it you gets look easier. Into my eyes and yeah, say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um it uh it does it does get easier. It does get easier. Um it got easier for you? Definitely. Yeah. Um, what did you figure out? Well, it just gets easier because people aren't like, uh, you know, I think age has finally trumped being a woman to, for one thing. Like you're not constantly being questioned or, you know, you get given the benefit of the doubt once in a while that you might um, know what you're up to. And you get better at what you're doing. Uh, you get more experience and you just get... Um, sort of more sure of your of what you're doing you get better at what you're doing and get more sure of what you're doing mm-hmm. and still enough of unsure to keep it interesting um <laughs> and uh yeah so it gets easier in that way just because um and you know it's easier to work with people a second and third time than when you're starting out and then it might run its course things do but um yeah, you get a teaching job, you have some health insurance. It gets easier because you're just not as broke. And um, and everything's harder when you're just figuring out how to, like, where you're going to lay your head or where, what you're going to, how you're going to pay the rent or buy food. And, um, and so it gets, yeah, it gets, everything gets easier. It doesn't mean, you know, that life doesn't have its, uh, ups and downs but yeah I, it's hard to be 20 yeah if you could tell yourself you now younger Kelly something <laughs> what would you say oh it would have been a younger Kelly was not a good listener so it probably would have been lost on younger Kelly whatever it was <laughs> um, I don't know you can't really like if you knew a lot of stuff going into it you probably wouldn't have done it Right. Like if I'd known how hard it would have been to make my first film, I wouldn't have done it. If I'd known it would have taken twelve years to get to make a, se- I, you know, I mean, who knows? But um, that twelve-year gap, yeah, seems 
Like I, I was looking at that last night, and I was thinking, like, my God, a lot of good things happened in there. There was good life in there, but it was very uh, also frustrating. But it was a learning time, you know. Sometimes it's good to, uh, um, you know, it just meant uh, figuring out. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a time of figuring out and stuff, and in the sense of like how to figure out how to make a film, but also how to make a film like what does this lens do and mm. what does this edit do and how to edit and things like that. So, and, um, it was just a time to really see and enjoy films and study them and break them down and shoot super eight. And, um, was there ever a moment that you thought you wanted to quit? You're just like, I, I did. I did basically quit. I went back to shooting Super 8 and I thought, I mean, I didn't quit, but I just assumed that I was going to just make films for an audience of my friends, you know, and that, that, uh, and I still really, to be honest, when I'm cutting, you know, it is an audience of my friends that I'm worried <laughs> that I'm most, I really, you know, my judgmental friends. No, um, uh, but you know, that, uh, that's the case. Um, I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, so there you have it, Sam. Thank you so much for doing this, Kelly. You're very welcome. Thank you. And good luck with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is. A lot of people to thank this week, including Blair Bender, Melissa Elzinga, and Morgan Michaels at Sunshine Sacks for helping arrange this talk and for the space to record. Kelly's latest, titled Certain Women, opens this weekend at a theater near you. If you're interested in diving into Kelly's back catalog, which you absolutely should, you can stream Meek's Cut Up on Netflix or rent Night Moves, Wendy and Lucy, and more through iTunes or Amazon Prime. Lastly, a big thanks to Miss Kelly Reichardt for coming on the show. If this is your first time listening to the podcast and you enjoyed it, you should check out our past episodes with folks like Ira Sachs, Melanie Linsky, or Alan Arkin. Moreover, if you have a spare moment in your day this week, you should consider writing us a review on iTunes. It'll only take about two to three minutes to do, depending on how brief or long you want to go. And all support on that front helps new listeners find the show. The more people listening, the easier it is for us to continue doing the podcast week after week. If you're not currently doing so already, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app. If you want to drop us a line about anything, feel free to email the show at talkeasypod at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TalkEasyPod, as well as our website, www.talkeasypod.com. As always, the music in your ears right now is brought to you by Vanilla. Our executive producer is David Chen. Graphics by Ian Jones. Illustrations by Krishna Shenoy. Social media by Maria Mayella. The show is produced and edited by Corey Atad. I'm your host, Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. I'll see you next week. journalism fascinating topics words that describe cnn's podcast the assignment with audie cornish 
Last year, the Army missed its recruitment goal. It had 65,000 spots to fill and came up 10,000 short of that target. Why is it so hard to recruit? How's the Pentagon responding? And how are the voices of service members on social media shifting the balance? Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish wherever you get your podcasts.